historic comeback of free kick golazo and back-to-back wins. Things are looking up for Inter Miami all of a sudden. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of Miami Total Football Radio, or as I like to say in Spanish, Miami Total Football Radio. I am your host on this week's podcast in lieu of Eric Krakauer, who, like Rodolfo Pizarro, is absent once again from our lineup. But that's okay, because I'm still joined by none other than fellow Inter-Miami beat writer and now pro-evolution soccer expert, Steve Brenner. Steve, how are you doing this week? I'm good, thank you, Franco. Very good. All the better for the for the wins. And yeah, welcoming a, a video game into my life at the age of 42 years old. I feel strong and I'm ready for it. So we talked FIFA on last week's pod. Me and you, we ran down through the Inter-Miami player ratings. The game That game officially released last Friday. Um, but you went with Pro Evolution Soccer. How, how come? You know, I mean, I'm a Pro Evolution Soccer guy myself. So, but why, why did you decide to go that instead of uh, instead of FIFA? Just rolling about the years, man. I remember playing it well 20 years ago, maybe when I was at university. I remember like the Dutch team were great, David and Seedorf scoring these crazy goals. So, um, yeah, just thought considering everything that's going on on the outside, sometimes you just need something just to uh, decompress for for a little bit. So I'm gonna chuck myself into that and, and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, which is obviously a fantastic game as well. And then. Um, yeah, let's just see see how it goes. Maybe we can have some sort of cross pod uh, competition yeah. uh, at some point once I've once I've done some training. Well, I mean, you're definitely gonna need lots of training. I'm sure you were playing like if you were playing 20 years ago is when Michael Owen was still in the game, and you know that's it's a long time from now. But look, Eric, Eric is gonna have two of us to make fun of. He he makes fun of me on this pod regularly about me playing Pro Evolution Soccer. So he's just be ready for for some some knives to be thrown at you from <laughs> from Eric Krakauer once he once he gets back on. Um, but before we get into all the Inter Miami news and action from the past week, just want to remind everyone to, to please give us a follow on all our social media accounts at Miami Total Football on YouTube and Facebook at M I A Total Football on Twitter and at Miami underscore Total underscore Football. On Instagram, as mentioned last week, every follow we get helps us to bring more and more regular Inter-Miami content your way, especially on the YouTube channel. If you haven't already, I suggest you check it out. There's news, analysis, and highlights on almost a daily basis, so please subscribe there. Follow us on the rest of our accounts. Leave us a review on iTunes, and if you have any friends that are also Inter-Miami diehards or on the fence about the team, spread the word. Or don't do any of that. Just your listen alone here is a massive help. All right, Steve, there's plenty to discuss, so let's get to it. All right, Steve, so as I mentioned at the start, there were back-to-back wins for Inter-Miami. First was a 2-1 comeback victory over the New York Red Bulls last Wednesday, and then a 1-0 win over the Houston Dynamo this Saturday at Inter-Miami CF Stadium. Steve, let's start with the former, especially since the win came courtesy of a superb free kick goal, the game-winning goal from Gonzalo Higuain, his first in an Inter-Miami jersey. What'd you make of the match? What'd you make of the free kick? What'd you make of that comeback victory? Well, you know, I don't really call Nostradamus, and it wasn't the most, you know, um, easiest... uh, Straightforward points. It was the most straightforward point. Sorry, but you know we we wanted just the big the, the main guys to stand up and be counted. You know when it when it matters, can, can someone just pull something out of the hat? Something brilliant. What they've been brought in to do and do it. And he did just that. What brilliant free kick. Wonder how many of those he's actually scored in his career. I'm I'm, I'm not sure, but you know that that just that was that was it. They just needed him to, to produce at that moment, and he did. And I, and I thought on the whole, you know, it wasn't a, wasn't a great game, was it? First half was was pre- pretty dull. Um, but they they just hung in there. They defended well. They they kind of attacked on the on the break better than maybe they had done. And they just a bit of luck went on their side. McCarthy came in uh, in goal and, and and did great. I think we were worried, weren't we, last week about the effect it would have on on the back four. And that's proved thankfully uh, to be completely wrong. They've actually they've actually looked pretty solid. And he's come in and, and, and done really well. So and also just you know nice. For, for Diego Alonso as well, you just saw him on the sidelines after after the Red Bulls games. He's just elated with the rest of the coaching staff. And, um, you know, it's a hard slog for him. He's come in, it's been a long seven or eight months, whatever it is, hasn't had much success. And now he's just beginning to taste a bit of it. So he's all that, that hard work on the training ground. So fair play to him as well. I think he's had a he's had a good couple of weeks and, and also just maybe just uh, stepped up to the plate when they really needed him. Yes. I mean, I watched that game with, with my family, uh, with my parents uh, at their house. You know, they, when the free kick was awarded and Iguain stood over it, 
my mom, who had seen him, I guess, miss the penalty kick against the Philadelphia Union, was like, oh, he's going to blow it. He's going to miss this. And my stepdad was like, no, I think he's going to put it in. And I got the sensation as well that he would put put it in. Obviously, I wasn't in the stadium. just from from just watching the game. But I felt like with his quality and his experience that that was nothing. It was it was easy. It was a piece of cake for him. And, and obviously, he shows his class. It's a brilliant strike. Amazing hit to the goalkeeper's post, and you know, Inter Miami gets the pulls out the victory there. It, it was again their first comeback win in their short history in this expansion season. So, uh, a, a historic win, a memorable win for the team, and something that definitely picked up the mood and the vibe within within the group. Um, when you saw him stand over the free kick, Steve, did you think he was going to put it in? Did you think, were you worried? Because normally Inter-Miami goes for, doesn't normally go directly on goal. Usually Lewis Morgan's on there and they, they opt to, to curl in the free kick to, to a target. So did you think he was going to put it in? What, what were your thoughts as he stood over that free kick? He looked, he looked confident when, it, when he stood up. And to be honest, I, d- I did fancy him. I, mean, I, I don't remember him, like I said, sc- taking or scoring many free kicks. I covered the 2014 World Cup when he when he got when he was in the Argentina team that got to the final. I mean, he wasn't over free kicks in the team with Messi and, and Di Maria and those sort of guys, but uh, clearly he'd been practicing training. It's a great shot. Um, if you look at it, I think there's one, I think Twitter, on the Twitter feed, they released the sort of footage from all different angles. You could just watch it on loop. He, he just hits it brilliantly and it just goes like an arrow straight into the net. So it was, it was a it was a brilliant strike. Um, and yeah, he just hit it so cleanly. Maybe maybe those that short time he spent playing with David Beckham actually rubbed off on him. <laughs> Always the English trying to take credit uh, for for the for the positive things. No, I'm just kidding. Look, I, I, just to to wrap up on the free kick, like he even said it after the game uh, when when we spoke to him that I think I think uh, he was asked with the first question if he felt any pressure or any any anxiety about scoring that first goal I think it was just in, in the question was being asked because he had missed that penalty kick uh, a couple of games before that against the Philadelphia Union and he essentially said I don't feel any pressure I don't feel any anxiety I've played at the biggest teams in the world and and there you're required to be at your best on a you know on every game basis so for him it, he was just as relaxed as can be and obviously uh, he puts that into the top corner and gives Inter Miami that two to one victory at Red Bull Arena. Before we move on from that game, is there anything else that, that stood out to you from that match? I agree with you when you said overall maybe it wasn't their best performance, particularly in the first half. They they seemed to really struggle and to really get Iguain involved, but once the second half got going, they were able to play a little bit better. They were playing a little more direct, and that was able to to beat the Red Bulls high press. Uh, more effectively and and then they've started to find some success that way Matias Pellegrini also gets a goal in that game his first for Inter Miami good for his confidence big for his confidence but anything else that you uh, you wanted to take away or that you would highlight on that victory you, you stole my thunder there really because I was just going to say about <laughs> Pellegrini I was really pleased when, when he when he scored I, I don't think in any of the games that we've covered he's 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 flitted in and out a little bit but really not showed at all why you know, he he was one of the, the the DPs and one of the guys that they really thought could could make an impact in the team. So it was like his coming of age moment, wasn't it? He scored, and all of a sudden it just looked like, you know, the sort of um, you know, the world was the way the world was off his shoulders, and he, and he played well. He took his goal really well, and hopefully that that could be a sort of kickoff for him. It's, it's difficult for him. He's young. He's only what 19, 20, coming coming to a foreign country. Um, you know, everything else that's that's gone on. It can't be easy for a young guy like that to come in with a bit of pressure on his his shoulders as well, for sure. And didn't you know they obviously really fancied him, and he hadn't really produced up to now. So that's that was another you know good a bonus point really, just to see him him scoring a goal and hopefully again it's all about confidence at the end of the day. Yeah, that's, that's something that Diego Alonso touched on after the match, and something I've touched on on this pod uh, previous episodes ago that. Matias Pellegrini, when he arrived, was 19. He's 20 now. And he he's going through this first experience of living abroad and playing abroad. And that obviously... It, the things that happen off the field influence what happens on the field. And I, I know that's not necessarily always taken into account. But a player has to be settled off the field for him to feel truly comfortable on the field. And Pellegrini even admitted it after the game that part of that has, has affected him. It affected him and it hasn't been the easiest of years, especially when you throw in, uh, you know, COVID-19 and the pandemic and having to be indoors and, and someone his age being in a foreign country without 
essentially friends and family. He's you know he's got his teammates and he can hang out with them, but they, they've got their own lives and their own families as well. So he's kind of been on his own, but he got his goal that helped lift his confidence and will help raise his confidence towards this stretch run. At least that's that's the hope. I want to highlight Nicolas Vigal's performance in that game. I would think it would be unjust not to highlight his his performance. I thought he was a monster at the back. One of the best defensive performances we've seen from an Inter-Miami defender. I think he had 10-plus interventions. I don't remember the exact stat, but he was a monster at, at the back, just breaking things up, clearing the, clearing the lines, and doing so without Leandro González-Pires, who was suspended. So a massive performance. Inter-Miami would not have been able to be in a position to, to take that victory had it not been for Nicolás Figal. And I'll add Gonzalo Higuaín. I thought he looked Aside from the free kick goal, which is what obviously everyone talked about and the, the biggest moment in that game, but I thought he looked really good in that second half, especially with his ability to, to pass the ball and show his vision to, to switch the point of the attack, hit long balls to the opposing flank, and he also pulled both center backs on Matias Pellegrini's goal. That's why Matias Pellegrini was so wide open on his finish. So a lot of good stuff from Iguain. Uh, as of late, and it should only get better as he continues to get more and more minutes and more and more comfortable with his teammates. So now we'll switch gears, Steve, to this Saturday's 1-0 home win over the Houston Dynamo in a game that was delayed at the 31st minute mark. It was delayed 47 minutes because of lightning in the area, but Inter-Miami was able to pick pull out a 1-0 victory Courtesy of a Lewis Morgan penalty kick in the second half. Steve, what were your thoughts on this 1-0 win? Yeah, it was tight. Uh, it wasn't pretty in the, in the first half. Full disclosure, I wasn't there, but I was listening, listening on the radio and caught up with some of the, some of the highlights. So, um, look, they just they ground they grounded out. That was that's the main that was the main thing. Nice, nicely taken penalty. And um, you know, I mean, in the end of the really, when you look at it, you know, the Marco Maric and the opposition goal. He was he was pretty busy. He was probably. Ma- Man of the match, maybe you'd say that. He pulled off some some decent saves, was busy. Um, you know, defensively they they looked solid. Gonzalo Perez came back. I thought he played well. Looked like he played well. Um, and yeah, they, they just got they just got it done. That was it. Good shutout as well. So and, and it just it just keeps the momentum rolling, doesn't it? And that's it. It's confidence. And now all of a sudden, from last week when it's all doom and gloom and we're saying this, that, and the other. Now, you know, they're looking if they can string it the two or three more wins together, then they can easily get into the playoffs, such as the wonderful openness of MLS, where it's not, no one's really out of the race until right, right, right to the end. So, um, so look, it's, 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 it's changed the complexion. That's, that's what happens when you win football matches. Um, it, just, it, just changes, it just changes everything. So if they can get a win on Wednesday, it's going to be huge. Yeah, they're only a point out of the playoff spot, the final playoff spot, and that's... And they play Atlanta United, a direct opponent for that for that last spot, or for, you know that has that one point advantage on them. So a win on Wednesday is massive. Uh, that the game itself is massive for both teams. Because again, if Miami wins, they le- can leapfrog Atlanta United in the standings. If they lose, then they'll fall four points back of Atlanta United for one of those final playoff spots. For me, this game against the Dynamo, it has to be said that the Dynamo are. Not one of the best teams in Major League Soccer. They're near the bottom of the Western Conference standings under first-year head coach Tab Ramos. But Inter-Miami can only play the opponent it has in front of them. And I thought they did fairly well in the first half. Even before the rain delay, I thought they they were the ones that dictated the tempo. They held on to possession, especially in that first half, for long stretches and they created some chances, not necessarily a plethora or an overabundance of clear-cut scoring opportunities, but there was the one shot Higuain took from distance that, that went just wide. There was the give-and-go he had with Lewis Morgan at the top of the box that forced Marco Merge into, into the, the good save. So Andrew Miami had other opportunities in the second half. Uh, Higuain volley that, that Merge also pushes away. And then obviously comes the penalty kick from Lewis Morgan, who now has a team-high five goals and five assists. Um, I, I do want to touch on on Lewis Morgan. I thought he had a, a a positive game in this one, but it was interesting to me, and maybe I should have touched on this in the Red Bulls recap, was when he was subbed out of that game, I felt like a lot of people, and I don't know what your your opinion was, I felt like a lot of people were a bit surprised because Inter-Miami wasn't, wasn't leading. They had just gotten the equalizer. It was 1-1, and Diego Alonso subs him out and puts in Victor Ulloa, who's not 
not a right midfielder, obviously. And Morgan didn't, when he came off the field, he didn't look at Diego Alonso and they didn't have an exchange. You know, coaches will tap him on the back or shake their hand, but Morgan didn't even look at him and Diego Alonso didn't shake his hand, at least from what the cameras showed. So thought that was interesting. But after this one, after this victory, they hugged, they, you saw them hug on a video that they posted on, on social media, but thought that was an interesting, an interesting point. Um, and I, again, I thought this was one of Inter Miami's best performances as a collective. Defensively, they were very sound. Like you said, Gonzalez Pires was was very good in his return. I thought, he, like Figal in the Red Bulls game, I thought Gonzalez Pires was that good in this match. And overall, the defense played fairly solid, solid. Didn't give up a whole lot. The only time they did was when Blaise Matuidi lost the ball a couple times near the near the top of uh, the top of the box. Um, so. Let's talk about that defense really quickly. It, they, they've improved in these last two games. They got their first clean sheet in eight matches in this win against the Dynamo. And now you've seen an improvement, whereas in the games before that, they were leaking goals a little bit, struggling at the back, giving up chances. What, what do you think about how the defense has played? Obviously, they've switched to a three-man or five-man back line, depending on how you want to look at it or label it. But what do you think? just overall about the defensive performances in these last two matches. Yeah, it's, it's been vastly improved, isn't it? They haven't looked as sort of, of wide open. I guess that that because they play like that, they probably aren't as um, pro- prolific going forward. And, they, you know, there's not a lot of goals in the team, is there? You know, they're sort of eking out, eking out the wins. But I think it has to be a kind of, not a safety firm. We keep going on about he's a, he's a pragmatist and all this sort of thing. But I guess playing five at the back, at least, you know, Ben Sweat or Nealis or whoever's on on the flanks, they they do do get up and down. They're athletic guys that can they sort of keep going, and then um, and if not, then they they he just reverts back to the four. But you know, sometimes you just like I say, a bit of confidence, and and then things just just start to sort of click. You know, maybe between he was finding his feet a bit more, hasn't really you know he could help out sort of defensively, maybe a little bit more. Um, you know, Will Trap played pretty well, so that just. It just lessens the burden for the for the back four if the midfield also are, uh, are performing performing well. So um, yeah, and look, you know, someone like Lewis Morgan, he's become like his sort of go-to sort of guy. He's not, it's not, you know, he's not Lionel Messi, but he's he's a good solid player who, who's got an eye for a goal um, and li- likes to run at players as well, which you don't really get too much of, and I think that causes problems in other other people's defenses. So he always has a go. So. You know, maybe they're just finding their a bit of their cohesion now, which you know, I guess they had to after at some point because they're in such a bad run. So um, let's just hope it carries on. Yeah, I asked Diego Alonso after this last game about playing with the five-man backline or three-man backline. Obviously, it's three center backs with two wing backs, but that's the look he's gone with in these last two games. And he said that they thought that was a good fit for the Red Bulls game because of the personnel and the matchup, and that he thought it could be. Uh, a good fit for the Dynamo game. So it sounds like he wasn't truly fully convinced that he would go with five at the back, but that what he saw in that Red Bulls match gave him and the team confidence. So they went with it again and it worked out. And obviously a, a reason why this switch was made is because, well, in the first game against the Red Bulls, they didn't have Gonzalez Pires and they didn't have Andres Reyes, who's still recovering from his facial injury. He's expected to be out for at least another couple of weeks. So they didn't have an, a natural second center back. So what they did was bring in an extra defender, three center backs, and two, and again, the two wing backs to help limit the space that teams could play through in behind. You don't have Andres Reyes' speed to help close out those things, to close out plays that get in behind. And that helped them limit the space. And then they got enough out of the attack in these two matches. So I asked him, I asked Diego Alonso if, you know, if he was, you know, what he thought about how the team played in that look. And he said that he wouldn't commit to saying that they're going to stick with that look for the rest of the season or the rest of the way, even though they've had defensive struggles as of late. He said it's good to have it as an option, as a weapon in their, in their, in their, in their arsenal, but that it's just one out of two different options that they have. So it sounds like he's, more inclined to going with the back four once Andres Reyes gets back. And then we'll see how they do in that formation if they can keep some defensive solidity at the back and, and limit teams to the chances or the few chances that they've given up in these two games. But bigger tests await and tougher, busier nights are also sure to be on the cards. We're going to take a quick break. We've got plenty more to talk about, including the second Iguain that will be joining Inter Miami or that has joined Inter Miami. So we'll take a quick break and we'll get into that right away. 
Eve, Saturday was obviously a busy day and a big day for Inter-Miami. They, they pulled out the win against the Dynamo. But before the match kicked off, they f- officially announced the acquisition of the other Iguain, Federico Iguain, Gonzalo's brother. He has joined the team via trade from DC United. Inter-Miami sent back $50,000 in general allocation money, which is essentially peanuts. He brings in another attacking weapon to Diego Alonso's roster and Diego Alonso's bag. What do you think of this move? What do you think about Federico Iwain coming to Inter-Miami and what he can give the group? Obviously, this is done primarily because of the family ties and Federico wanting to be closer to his brother and being on the same team with him. But what do you think about just the move and the fit of him on the squad? Yeah, I think it's, it's a great. It's a great move. I mean, just just before before the break, we we're talking about how you know the defense is, you know, he's gone safety first and he's really shoring up the back, but just you know sometimes lacks a bit of creativity. And, and the elder Higuain, thirty five, um, he 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 will be there. He is like a natural number ten. You know, Pizarro, he's not like a playmaker, is he? He's not doesn't sit just behind the front two and and, and create. He likes to go outside on the left. If he plays that front three, then. Then he'll be on the left. So he's not that like a playmaker, which is what they who exactly what they need. So yeah, he's at the end of his career. He's been around, he's had a good career with a play, Besiktas, Independiente, and then you know spent the last ten years or eight years or so in in um, in MLS. So I think it's I think it's a good signing and it's a good story, isn't it? You know the two brothers playing together. Was it the eight the only the eighteenth pair of brothers to play in MLS? Is that yeah. like eighteenth or eighth? Yep. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a nice and it's a nice story. And also you know it will probably help. Gonzalo settled quicker. No, his, his brother's there. His 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 other brother is his agent. I, I don't know if he's he's with him in Miami at the moment or not. Um, but that that will be it'll be everyone's a winner basically. Yeah, I mean it will help him settle in, and then like you say, it just gives them a bit of a, more of a, a creative option. For, also, with someone that's just played in this league and knows what it takes. Everyone except DC United. That is. <laughs> no. um, look for me. I like the move. Obviously, again, the family ties are the primary reason this has happened. But from a roster standpoint and from a, what Federico Higuain can provide this team standpoint, it, I think it's a big move. You're essentially getting one of the better attacking midfielders or playmakers from MLS from the last few years onto an Inter-Miami team that, are, that just added Gonzalo Higuain, that has added Blaise Matuidi in recent months and already has Rodolfo Pizarro. So this is a big move because it gives them another element, another weapon that's going to come come off the bench primarily, but that can help unlock defenses and break open games. He has the through ball and the vision that nobody else on Inter-Miami has right now. Nobody on this team can break an opposing defense down with just one splitting pass in behind into space. You, you haven't seen goals like that from this team it usually comes from the wings or from combination play that comes down from the outside or in Gonzalo Higuain's case a, a superb free kick but you haven't really seen that type of play from Inter Miami this season where you ha- where you have a number 10 that just breaks open the defense and splits them with the pass in in, in behind so that's something that this that Federico Higuain can give Inter Miami that they haven't had uh, because like you said Rodolfo Pizarro he wears the number 10 and he's played as as the number 10, as the attacking midfielder over the course of the season. But like you said, he likes to drift wide to the left, and he's not a traditional playmaker. He's he's more of a guy that likes to get on the ball, dribble with it, and try to create chances through his movement and through combination play. He doesn't really have necessarily the, the passing or the long passing to, to break open defenses. So I think Ewain's going to be a good signing, I think, or a good addition and we're going to get a chance to speak to him tomorrow, so we'll get to hear his thoughts on what he thinks about coming to Inter Miami. He's obviously going through mandatory quarantine period, and the expectation is that he will debut or will be eligible to debut soon, but we just don't know just when, just yet. Now, let's go go back to Gonzalo for a second, Steve. Iguain was named captain prior to last week's match versus the New York Red Bulls. Obviously, the, the armband has been Luis Robles' for much of the year, but with his injury and his surgery, he's obviously going to be missing some time. So a new captain needed to be named. I thought it was going to be Higuain. I I wrote about it. I did a video on it. I thought it would be Higuain, despite the fact that he had not been with the team 
all that much or that long. Others others had thought maybe Blaze My Tweety. Uh, you know, what what did you think? We probably should have talked about it last week. Well, what did you think about Iguain being named captain? Do you do you agree with it, or should it have been someone that has been around the team a little longer? No, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that that really matters in how long they've been there. I think you know pl- younger players, you know, would would look up to him. What you know, they they look up to a player like that. He's obviously um, he's been he's been in the he's been in some of the biggest clubs in the world, huge experience, and you know they they know that this is the super this is the superstar coming into the team. So naturally, people are just drawn to him and, and they look up to him. He he's he's been brought in to to do things. So let that you know, and he he has to deliver. So um. And I think that that also transfers to his sort of you know reputation in in the, in the changing room, in the locker room, and um, you know his 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 leadership skills. People want him to to, to set the example. So um, look, he's played in the biggest some of the biggest clubs in the world, played in the World Cup final, um, number of international caps, season season pro. And um, look, look, when you look back at it now, it was a it was a good it was a good move because then they won the game and he scored an absolute belter with seven minutes to go. So um, hat tip to Diego, Diego Alonso, an inspired choice. And you'd think maybe look, it's it's not like we're, we're best pals with um, you know Gonzalo Aguirre or Blaise Matuidi, but you'd seem to think maybe that looking from the outside that Iguain would probably sort of lead from the front in, a, in maybe a, a better way um, and just yeah cajole everyone. Um, and just just be that leader that they wanted him, him to be, and um, you know, look, is, is he going to be captain when Robles eventually comes back? You know, who, who knows? But you just you want those experienced players to lead from the front, and and he, he did just that with a with a win, with a brilliant goal, and 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 a, and a huge result. So um, yeah, Alonso Alonso got it right, and he went and did the job. I actually want to touch on what you just mentioned because I have some thoughts on that. But before before I do that, I got to ask you: Would you have been? Opposed to it being Matuidi, do you think Matuidi would have been a good fit, or was just Iguain the only realistic option? Because, I mean, again, he's only been with the team not that long, so not, not like his teammates know him that well. But obviously, he has the pedigree, he's got the fiery and uh, personality. So, I mean, that, for me, those are things that that led to why I thought he would end up being captain. And as well as obviously he has that ability to put the team on his shoulders and and pick them up when when they need to like he did against the Red Bulls with that free kick. But would you have been okay with it being Matuidi, or would you have thought maybe that wasn't necessarily uh, the greatest fit? No, I, mean, look, I, I don't know. No, I mean, if he would have said, "Oh, Blaise Matuidi's captain," I would have yeah, yeah, fine. And then we would have still gone on saying, "Yeah, he's played at the biggest clubs in the world. He's really been at Juventus. He's won the World Cup. He's, he's played for France. Of course, he's a brilliant fit." Um, yeah, look, I think it's the same. It's, it's the same. He's cut from the same cloth as of, of Iguain in terms of experience, and your players just look up to them. You know, they've they've come from from stellar top teams in Europe. So the guys like that played to try played in MLS all their careers or you know people like Ben Sweat or Lewis Morgan or or Pellegrini or any of these guys they see the you know the sort of big stars come in and they're like wow okay this is this is what it takes to, to be a, a true true pro to play at Juventus be a World Cup final so look, either either one of those would have would have been a good fit for me yeah I think the only other realistic candidate in the bunch just my opinion based on the roster makeup would have been Leandro Gonzalez Pires because he's He's, he's experienced enough, he's played in MLS and abroad, and he's got the temperament that I think could make for a good captain. But obviously, he was suspended for that first game against the Red Bull, so he was not an option. But definitely think he's he's potential for candidate material. Matuidi also is as well. Even though I think he's a little bit on the quieter side, that doesn't necessarily have that personality that you might want out of a captain in terms of how he how he carries himself on the field it's worth noting that in that game against the Red Bulls when Iguain was subbed out in the dying minutes he gave the armband and handed it to Will Trap Will Trap went over to Blaze Matuidi to put it on his arm and Matuidi you know sh- waved him off and said here you can have it so nice nice little moment from Blaze Matuidi Will Trap ended up wearing the armband so Will Trap has officially been the third player to wear the wear the captain's armband for Inter Miami, uh, and he did so again against the Dynamo when Iguain came off as well. Now, I do want to touch on this really quickly. This, this the point you you touched on, you made because it's something that I've thought about, and I haven't talked to you about it. I haven't talked to Eric about it. I haven't talked to anyone about it. But do you think if and when Luis Robles comes back, maybe it's not this season. Let's say it's next season. Do you think he gets that armband back? Good, good question. Uh, I, I think it depends on how the season pans out. I guess, isn't it? If if 
they, they do really well, get to the MLS Cup final and Gonzalo Higuain as captain scores a hat-trick, I don't know if you're going to be able to take the armband off him. But um, no, I just... It, in general, though, in you know, in a, in, a, in a locker room, you know, you'd have those 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 guys that are more vocal vocal that, that are leaders, the likes of Robles and and you mentioned like Higuain and Matuidi, um, I guess Gonzalo Perez, those, those sort of people, you know. So there are leaders all around sure. in in a, in, a, in, a, in a dressing room, not just a guy that's got that's got the armband. But um, look, are we going to see Lewis Robles again this season? Probably not. So you know the the. Who knows what what the state of play will be, you know, when it comes to the start of of, of next season. So um, it'd be interesting one to see. But we we'd like to see Lewis Roberts come back as soon as possible. If if anyone wants to hire Steve Brenner to be their head coach of their team, you know that he's got the coach speak down pat. Because I I asked him directly if he thinks Luis Robles is going to get the armband back, and he gave me a nice roundabout answer without telling me directly yes or no. Look, I mean, you can. You he's can, a good professional. You know, he's a good professional. Um, he's a great they're a great bunch of lads and hopefully we can just get the result we need that's it that's, that's all I can say right now thank look, you look. press conference over yeah. <laughs> look for, for me um, and obviously I've covered this role for a long time I know he's he's got leadership qualities that's why he's been captain at Red Bull he's been captain he was the first initial captain for Inter Miami but I don't see how he gets this armband back I just don't see it unless Higuain has like one game where he just loses his cool and blows his lid and has a complete meltdown. I don't see how Luis Robles gets that armband back. Like, Iguain has played at a higher level. He's got a bigger personality. I just don't see how you take that armband off of him and give it back to Luis Robles uh, at this point. Whether it's this season or next year, I just I just don't see it personally. I don't see how Diego Alonso does that. I, I even asked Diego Actually, as a matter of fact, and now that I remember, good thing that I remembered, I asked Diego Alonso after the Red Bulls game about the decision to name Iguain captain. And reading between the lines, at least my, this is just my reading between the lines of what Diego Alonso said, it even further emphasizes or strengthens my belief that we will not see Luis Robles as the number one captain again for Inter Miami. Because Alonso said flat out he prefers field players to be captains. And he, he, Obviously, was a, a he said the word special, but you know an exception was made with Luis Robles because Robles has history in MLS and he's he's someone that's been looked up to in within the league and he has good qualities as well. So it's not just about him having experience in the league. He also has qualities that to, to be a leader, but he prefers that to be somebody that's on the field. I wish I, I had the direct quote handy because there was more there was more to it than that, but. It was definitely like the oh he touched on his humility, Iguain's humility, and how he's played at the highest levels and been one of the top players at top teams throughout the world. And now he's come to Inter Miami and and had a lot of humility in terms of putting in the work and leading by example and you know being on time for everything. So all these little things added up to him, and he, he said that would be a good example instead of a good example. So I there's, I don't think Luis Robles will be the Inter Miami captain. Uh, at least not on a on a permanent basis going forward. Obviously, like you said, in a locker room, there's several leaders and several players that you, that you, that the team turns to in certain moments. And Robles can absolutely be one of those guys. But I think if you're talking about the captain, the guy that wears the armband game in and game out, that that voices maybe the players' concerns a little bit more than most. I think that's going to be Iguain going forward uh, for for a good while. I was going to say, normally, quite rare, not rare, but you don't always get like a f- sort of striker being a captain anyway, really, do you? You know, sort of normally it would be like a, a centre-half or central midfielder, Patrick Vieira or Roy Keane or, you know, some of those guys just in the middle of the park, just sort of directing things. You could see sort of both ends. So sometimes it's a little bit rare to have a sort of striker as a, as a captain, but um, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah. Last last topic I want to touch on, and again, it, it brings Robles back into the conversation. Obviously, Higuain replaced him as captain, but John McCarthy replaced Robles in goal. I know you touched on it a little bit earlier, but how do you think John McCarthy has done? These are his first two MLS games in more than a year. Last season, he played in USL with the Tampa Bay Rowdies. What has he shown? Has he shown anything different, anything interesting, anything of note? Obviously, he hasn't been tested a whole lot, so... But I'm curious what he what you've seen from him in these first 180 minutes that he's played. Confident, I think. You know, I think in the in the Red Bulls game he came for a comfort number of crosses. I think early on he may have spilled a couple or looked a little bit shaky, but then was you know then was was fine. Really, 
you know, grabbed, grabbed his opportunity. I mean, that's, it's a hard thing when you're a reserve goalkeeper. You don't really get many chances, especially where in a, in a season like this, and this, you know, especially here in MLS, you don't get too many cup games or, you know, in Europe, they would chop and change the keepers depending on the competition here. Really, it's other than the Open Cup, there's nothing really else much going on, is there? So, um, no, I think he, he was confident. Uh, you know, it's good also that he didn't, didn't let him fall on his debut and then all, all of a sudden his worries over, is he good enough and all this sort of stuff. So I think he's he, he started well, he's really confident. He's obviously, it looks like he's a, he's a good communicator. He's obviously younger, less experienced than Luis Robles, but um, not on the whole, he's been good. And, and that's that sort of spared a headache for um, for Diego Alonso because he must have been worried about it. I think he's, to me, he's shown something that's different from Luis Robles. I think he's shown more, uh, I'm looking for the word, but he's definitely much more aggressive in coming off his line. He's definitely much more looking to cut off the play sooner rather than later or close down the angle sooner rather than later you saw that in the second half of this game against the Houston Dynamo where he came off his line after a ball was played in behind Breckshay into space and it led to a, a good opportunity for the equalizer for Ariel Lassiter but because McCarthy was so quick in coming off his line he closed down the angle and made the save shortly thereafter or as soon as after he made the save the ball went out of bounds he turned and screamed at, I believe it was Will Trapp, or it looked like it was Will Trapp for playing a pass to, to Blaze Matuidi that eventually came back the other way because Blaze Matuidi couldn't, couldn't cleanly control it, and that led to that opportunity. So, And that's something Diego Alonso also highlighted, saying that you know McCarthy has a lot of personality, a lot of temperament, and that's something that you like and, and or he likes out of his, out of his goalkeepers. So... There will be tougher tests. There will be busier nights for him because obviously he wasn't overly tested in both of these games. Didn't have to make a whole lot of saves. He did make one notable save as well in the Red Bulls match with his left hand. Uh, I'm trying to remember who got in behind Christian McCoon uh, in the in the first half, but but McCarthy did make a good save. He also got beat. Got you got to paint the full picture here. He also got beat. He came off his line aggressively to to race, race to a ball and, and, and win it ahead of, uh, again, I'm, I'm blanking on which attacker it was for the Red Bulls, but the ball ends up being flicked over his head. It was going towards goal, and it would have been a goal had not been for Blaise Matuidi's last-ditch tackle goal line clearance in that game. So, But again, I think the qualities you've seen are that John McCarthy is definitely someone that will come off his line a little bit more. Is he as reliable? We're going to see. But I, I do think, and we touched on it with the captaincy, I do think... Luis Robles' future with Inter Miami could potentially be in jeopardy because if he's no longer your captain and if John McCarthy shows enough enough in this in this stretch to t- to make Inter Miami think that hey maybe we don't need to spend X amount of the budget on Luis Robles who's older he's near he's closer to the end of his career than he is the beginning of his career. I think there's a scenario where they either look to deal Luis Robles or where they leave him available for the MLS expansion draft or where they just cut ties with him. Because if you can go for a younger, cheaper option that can perform as well or better or that fits better, because even Robles has talked about how McCarthy's better with the ball at his feet. So if, if you can do that, then it doesn't make much sense to keep keep an older, more expensive option. But we'll see. There's still a lot of games left to be played. And John McCarthy has will have to show and prove that he is as good or can be as dependent as Luis Robles has been this season. We'll we'll take our final break and then we'll answer a few questions before wrapping up the show. All right, MTFers. So last week we asked you for your questions. And we ended up going with a FIFA 21 player rating segment because we didn't get any questions until right after we wrapped the show. I, I remember even as soon as I, I stopped recording and me and Steve were, were saying our goodbyes, I saw the, the, the questions on Twitter start to come in. So we apologize for not getting to them. We're going to get to a few of them from last week that are still relevant. Obviously, some asked who would play in the number 10 spot in place of Rodolfo Pizarro. We've seen how Inter Miami's approach that. There was other questions about uh, just the overall situation and in that moment. So those are dated. We won't we won't touch on those, but we will touch on a couple, including one from, from today that was already submitted today. So the first one, Steve, and I'll let you 
answer first and then I'll, I'll follow with, with my two cents is, do you think it comes from at Carlos Segovia? Well, it's Carlos Segovia. It's at Carlos, Carlo and Gas del 94. So, or 94, sorry. <laughs> I went Spanish there. Do you think Sweat's performance defensively is part of the bad results? He has been involved negatively at least in five to six goals given up in the last few games. Now, Steve, what do you think? Has has Ben Sweat lost his place in the lineup? Has he been at fault for for a lot of these goals? What what are, you, what is, what are your two cents? Yeah, no, I think he's he's worked pretty hard, isn't he? He's he's athletic, quite dynamic, gets up and down a bit. I just think he was just part of that that sort of run when they were just really really struggling. Yeah, potentially fought for one one or two of the goals, but did not didn't do it over, overly bad. You know, I think when you think back to to uh, the, the the one of the game. The, Game before the last game, I can't even remember now. It's so many, but um, the one with Tweedy had a bit of a nightmare. Who did they? I can't remember who they played at home against. Oh, it was New, it was, New York City. They, they FC. New York City. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, Lewis Morgan wasn't tracking back, and Tweedy had a bit of a nightmare, and that was just heaping pressure onto the defence. So uh, I'm not absolving Ben Ben Sweat of any uh, of any blame that he wasn't performing, just like a lot of the other guys weren't performing. But um, you know, also sometimes you just have to. To, to mix it mix it up a bit and you know Diego Alonso made those changes and um you know it, it, it works so I don't think he can be blamed for all, for all those goals I think it was a collective I'm not not trying to speak in manager talk the whole way through this podcast you're getting ready for your career mode in Pro Evolution Soccer 2021 that's that's what it is that's got to be that's got to be what it is um look for me and I think Ben Sweat gives you more in the attack than maybe anybody else that can play left back. I mean, you can make a case for Breck Shea, although in this last game against the Dynamo, Breck Shea was fairly quiet on, on both sides of the ball. I mean, I guess that's not a bad thing on the defensive side, but in the attack, he didn't offer a whole lot playing as the left wing back. But to me, Ben Sweat was absolutely hit a bad run of form during the last few games. And there's a reason why... Diego Alonso sat him against the Dynamo. It's because he just had kept committing maybe too many mistakes in the defensive third, even though he gave you a lot of good things in the attack. And the Red Bulls game, the recent Red Bulls game, the 2-1, to one, I'll, I'll touch on that. Is I thought he did really well in terms of combining and associating himself with Gonzalo Higuain on the left. I thought they had a lot of good moments in, in, from the run of play together and how they combined and moved the ball off of each other. But then he also was directly to blame for the goal that they gave up in that match because he he's at the top of the box and he's trying to play out to spark a counterattack, but the ball gets intercepted or, or it gets taken away and it comes back quickly the other way in you know high up the field and Omer Fernandez scores a tap in. So I think I think he, if if he could cut out those mistakes, I think he would be hands down the number one left back for now and for the foreseeable future but those mistakes are proving costly to the team and to him and I think it's opening the door for Diego Alonso to consider someone else obviously Diego Alonso a few weeks ago said the back line was consolidated with the back four was essentially you know he had that set it was Nicolas Vigala right back Andres Reyes center back Leandro Gonzalez Pires next to him and Ben Sweat at left back but I think with the recent run of form and the recent poor performances I think the door is opening for Ben Sweat to maybe not be that starter or not be that guy at left back. I think he will get another opportunity to start and to showcase himself and show that he is the best option at that position. But I think that will be maybe his last opportunity this season because if, if he again struggles, if he again commits the the errors or, or has those, those lapses in concentration or those gaffes, then I think... Diego Alonso is going to be forced to go elsewhere and, and probably go with Breck Shea at that spot, even though he's considered Breck Shea also for the left midfield spot. Uh, the second question will come comes from, and this is the one from, from today, it comes from at Esteban JQ3. He says, and actually there's two, and they're both very similar, so I'll read them both, and then, and then you can answer, Steve. He says, what role might Federico Higuain play on this team? How do you rate him? That's the first part of his question. And then at Sal Para 69815935 asks something similar. He says, do you think Federico Higuain will mostly be used as a sub? If not, whose spot will he take? How long is his contract? So we touched on this a little bit. Uh, just what role will he play for this team? How do you see him 
panning out if you could just elaborate a little bit more on that, Steve? Um, I expect him. He'll, he'll be starting a few games. And then also a good option to come off the bench if, you know, it's tight or like it was a, a Red Bull Arena, you know, one all going into the last sort of 10, 15 minutes or, you know, even in, in, a, in the second half the other, the other day, just to bring him on and, and just mix things up. It just gives him a different option something he hasn't had we've often and we looked at the bench and think oh, you know what's he going to do to change things here but this just this just gives him another option and the system can change with you know the substitutions so um, it should be interesting he dc united is the worst team in mls right now they just parted ways with their longtime head coach ben ben olsen and even there Iguain found ways to make an impact and obviously I followed him for, I think, the duration of his stay in, in Major League Soccer, if not just after he arrived, but I think it's been since the duration. And like I said before, he's been one of the best playmakers over the last decade in MLS. Now, at this point in his career, he's 35. He doesn't have necessarily the same amount of energy or the, he doesn't have the same... can't doesn't give you necessarily the same 90 minutes that he could maybe... A few years ago, and that was clear with DC United. He was using being used predominantly off the bench, but still found ways to make an impact. At least at MLS is back when he did see the field, and I think that will be his role at Inter Miami. I don't think he's coming here to be a starter. Could he get a, a start here or there? Sure, depending on the matchup, depending on who's available, if if players are injured or whatnot. But I think he will be used predominantly off the bench for twenty to thirty minutes. Maybe at most he can give you uh, a half. But that's that. That might be pushing it. But he, again, he has the vision and the creativity, and again, that through ball that nobody else on this team has. And not not again, not to not overemphasize the point. Rodolfo Pizarro wears the ten, but he's not a natural ten. And I watched them play against Mexico in their friendly that they had last week against the Netherlands. He was used as a left winger in in that match. And even there, he moved the ball quicker. I'll say that. Rodolfo Pizarro moved the ball quicker with Mexico than he does with Inter-Miami. But even there, again, he's not necessarily that type of player that, that, that was going to open up the game for you with, with his passing and vision. So as far as how, how much his contract is, I'm not. Uh, we don't have those details yet. We'll, we'll learn more tomorrow, surely, when we get a chance to speak to him on our video conference call. Uh, I, I will go back to Esteban, Esteban's second part of, of his question, and then we can, we can wrap up the show, Steve. He said, do you expect more moves to reshape the roster to fit Alonso's preferred style? If so, what kind of moves or who? So again, personnel questions. What do you think, Steve? Do you think you'll see any more moves this year or will it be at this point to, to wait for the offseason? Well, I think we touched on it a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? That, you know, this wasn't really, you know, Diego Alonso arrived with the front office not actually getting who they wanted to first up. So they'd filled the squad up and yet didn't have a manager. That was the whole thing, wasn't it? Remember before the first game? guy and he'd been there like 60 days or whatever so yeah I think he, you can see that he's, he's not afraid to make a make some moves so um you know I th- they, they definitely need some some more backup um in terms of strikers I mean Robbie Robinson is he's raw and very young and very inexperienced so I you know I'd like to see another potentially another you know another striker come in just to give him another option uh in attack because they're a little bit lightweight he seems to have got you know, settled. We understand now how he likes to play at the back, but further up the pitch, definitely up front. I think, you know, he'll look to try get another striker because that's what they need if they're going to make this playoff push. So you're not, so you're not sold on Juan Agudelo as a, as the backup striker for this team. He's got three goals. Yeah, he hasn't done, yeah, he hasn't done bad, but again, you know, a bit of a, bit of a fresh face to come in and, and maybe, maybe change things up. I, I don't know if Robbie Robertson is like a season. He's just come out of college. So I just, I think it's a huge step up. So he's a trier. He works hard. Just needs a bit of confidence. But I think just someone with a little bit more experience to other call. And I think that then the, the squad, the roster, uh, will start looking pretty not too not too bad at all. Just to answer Esteban's question, I think there will be more roster moves. I don't think it'll happen now at this juncture because there's essentially there's only six games left in the season. I think again, Iguain, the move was made more so because he requested it because he wanted to to be closer to his brother. Otherwise, I don't think Inter Miami would have made any more roster moves this season. I think the majority of them will come this offseason, but I do think that there will be plenty of of movement. I don't think that they're done building the squad to the way that Alonso wants wants it to be built. And like I touched on in the last segment, I think Luis Robles could be part of that change. Again, Robles was brought in before Diego Alonso arrived. Maybe he's not necessarily the fit or the the doesn't have the characteristics that 
that Alonso would would draw up if you had asked him a year ago, hey, what kind of goalkeeper would you like? But he was brought on because he had MLS experience and because he had good value in the league and was was a free agent or was becoming a free agent. So something to keep an eye on for sure. Again, I think moves will happen, just not not at this point in the season. Steve, and that about wraps it up today. Uh, we'll finish with your final thought. Again, it's just me and you on this week's pod. Eric Krakauer is on international duty with BN Sports and his family. So just me and you again, but anything you want to add about your your Pro Evolution soccer career mode you're about to start or Inter-Miami itself. Um, obviously, again, a big matchup this Wednesday and then obviously another big game on Saturday against the Montreal Impact. So a, a very big week for the team. Yeah, yeah. My Pro Evolution soccer career hasn't started yet. And it, I'm really not going to tell my wife about it either. So if that can just remain a secret on this podcast, which, you know, if, if possible, that would be great. Um, <laughs> but look, you know, I just think it's the way they've just turned it around the last couple of games game of managers hat on again the next game it, it, it is the biggest game now in terms of you know I think get another win squeeze into that into those playoff spots out of the 14 teams you know they're 12th at the moment you need to be in top 10 to, to, to have got in um, I just think you know it's just it's such a shame the fans can't can't be there it just changed the dynamic you know completely and I, I really think momentum would really sort of engulf, engulf the team and, and the club as well but I just think look if they can get into the playoffs I think the roster now is beginning to take shape if they can mount a decent playoff push, which they seem to be doing, um, and then I think that will set them up nicely for, for next season when hopefully, um, you know, the fans will be back in and we can start doing it, you know, witnessing games there properly rather than just those empty stands. It's, it's so sad to see, but let's just, let's hope that they can, uh, they can carry on and I'm interested to see what happens with the Elder Higuain too. Yeah, I think that's certainly something to watch during this final stretch of games. And my final thought, something I want to add that I think is small but not minor is that After the win versus the Houston Dynamo, a victory that marked the first time this season and the first time ever that Inter-Miami won back-to-back games, the team or the players took a team photo in their makeshift locker room, and several of the players took to their personal Instagram accounts afterwards to publish that photo and post that photo, and I think it just speaks to where the team is right now in terms of their morale and where they stand emotionally and what the mood is like in that locker room right now, because the team had never done that before. This was the first time I believe that the team's done something of that nature after a match. So it's good and it speaks to how high team morale is right now as they head into these final six games of the year. As a reminder, MTFers, you can leave us a review and a comment and please do on Apple Podcasts, formerly known as iTunes. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel at Miami Total Football where we have daily content of Inter Miami. And as always, for Steve and I, thank you for listening. Until next week, big soccer heads.